Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Psalm 32, verse 7. This is of no charge, it's free to you. I know you will enjoy it. I know I do. Psalm 37, verse 2. I'm verse, I'm sorry, Psalm 32, verse 7. Hallelujah, I'm around here. Psalm 32 and verse 7. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. Think about it. Did you know that God was encompassing you with songs of deliverance? Did you know that? You thought you were just worshiping and singing in the hymn. But he says, I'll compass you about with songs of deliverance. You keep that in mind as we go on in our lesson. Let's go to John's Gospel. John's Gospel, chapter 21. Chapter 21, verse 15. John's Gospel, chapter 21 and verse 15. Father, we thank you for your word in Jesus' precious name. We thank you for the Spirit of God who will unveil to our spirits the realities of your word, who enlarge our capacity to receive revelation knowledge of all things that pertain to life and godliness. We thank you for receptive hearts. We thank you for attentive ears and open minds. And I thank you that everyone's a doer of your word and not hearers only in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 15. John 21 and verse 15. The title of our message is Being Yourself Unto the Lord. Being Yourself Unto the Lord. Not being yourself, but being yourself unto the Lord. Amen? There's a difference. He wants us to be ourselves unto Him. Verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto you, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth that the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord... And what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. 
Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that the disciples should not die. Yet Jesus said unto him, he sh said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth to these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. And amen. Well, notice here in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is speaking to Peter and telling Peter, I've got something I want you to do for me. And if you love me, you'll do it. And he asked him three times, do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Well, right off the bat, Peter got nosy. And he started wandering about John. And he says, well, what about this other fellow? What's he going to do? See, Jesus showed him what he was going to do, what Peter's going to do, and he's going to, how he's going to die. And Peter gets concerned about John. And he says, what's John going to do? How about him? How about his life? What's he going to do in his life? And Jesus answers as nicely as he can without being rude. And actually, he just, to paraphrase, it says, why don't you mind your own business? That's what he really said to him. But he said it a little bit nicer than that. He said, uh, Peter, what is that to be? What does it matter to you what John's going to do? What is that to be? I told you to follow thou me. And don't be concerned about what John's doing. Now, you see, in the body of Christ today, it seems, well, not only today, but it seems like it just, just happens and happens and happens and happens that people are always concerned about other people and what they're doing or what they're not doing. Instead of being concerned about themselves and what they should be doing. And it keeps them out of doing what God wants them to do. If Peter was so caught up in what John was doing, he would have been doing what he was supposed to do for the Lord. Isn't that right? And that's why Jesus said to him as nice as he could, What is that to thee? Follow thou me. I've got something for you to do. Whatever i got for John is between me and John. But what I've got for you is between you and me. So follow thou me. Now, I don't know about you, but I enjoy being in the will of God. I enjoy doing the will of the Father. What he has for me to do. He's got things for me to do, and he's got things for you to do. If you're out of the will of God concerning your life, there's a twofold effect. A twofold effect. Number one, you're not doing what you should be doing. Number two, you're doing what you shouldn't be doing. Did you get that? Let me say it again. You're not doing what you should be doing. And you are doing what you shouldn't be doing. I'll give you an example. When I was in Oklahoma and I graduated from school, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, go back to this area. Well, if I'd have stayed there in Oklahoma, I'd have been there affecting lives of people that were around me, doing certain things that maybe God didn't want me to do. 
I may have got involved in a ministry and I had that opportunity to get involved in a ministry down there. And I would have been doing things to affect the lives of other people that are around me. Now, if I'd have been doing that and affecting their lives, do you know what I wouldn't have been doing? I wouldn't have been here affecting your lives. Did you know that? Now, I'm down there doing something that I shouldn't be doing. And I'm not here doing something that I should be doing. So there's a twofold effect there. There's a twofold problem there. And that's why it's important that we follow the leading of the Lord and do what he has for us to do. In other words, I've got to do what he wants me to do. If not, I'll be making this twofold, twofold error in my life. And you'll begin to see as we go on how that can cause you much damage in your walk of faith. Matter of fact, some people die young because of this very fact. Those of you that are graduates, I want you to hear something. God has something for you to do in your life. And every step that you take should be ordered of Him. And what He has for you to do will affect your life greatly, whether you do it or whether you don't do it. So no matter who we are, God has something for us to do. We've all been called to be saints. Now, we've not all been called to the fivefold ministry, but we've all been called to be a saint. And we have a purpose. And mainly, since the majority of the people are not called to the fivefold ministry, the majority of the people are called to supportive ministry, supporting the local church, supporting the body of Christ. And that supportive ministry is very important. As a matter of fact, God's work will not be done without the support of his people. Moses couldn't do it by himself. He had to have the support of his people. And when the people turned his back on him, he didn't get the support. He couldn't get the job done. So God has something for you in your life. Every single one of our lives. And he wants us to be ourselves. The reason why he told Peter to do certain things was because he knew P Peter's abilities. The reason why he had John to do this over there is because he knew John's abilities. The reason why he had me to do this over here because he knew my potential, my abilities, and he knew how it would affect your lives. You know, I may have not affected lives down there like I affected lives over here. Did you know that? That's true. They may not want to accept the word I had to say down there. Did you know that? Now, you think about that. And as we go on, you'll begin, it'll begin to unfold to you as to just why God has to put us in certain positions and places, and we have to fulfill that obligation in our lives to be ourselves and do what he has for us to do, not what he has somebody else to do. Now, in the area of ministry right now that's going on, and this is one of the things I, I'm meaning to get on. I don't know why I've been getting on this, but I'm getting on it. And there are those that are in the ministry that are trying to dictate to people how to live their lives, especially in the area of what they should and shouldn't eat. And they try to put bonded, people in bondage to try to dictate to their lives what they should do, what they shouldn't do. I got some scripture that'll set you free. It'll be a blessing to you. What God called, what God has maybe witnessed to one man or whatever one man's convictions are doesn't necessarily mean those convictions have to be mine. One guy preaches from the pulpit, I don't eat this and I don't touch that and I don't do this anymore. Next thing you know, you got 500,000 people following him and saying, well, you can't eat this and you can't do that and you can't do this. See, they're influenced by a man. They're not influenced by God. You think about it, you find out it's true. Then they want to go in his direction. And actually, they want to live his life. They don't want to live their own life. They want to live his life. Then they find out that they can't do it. 
Now, let's open our Bibles to some scriptures I want to share with you to, sh to help you to establish your own walk with the Lord, to help you establish being yourself with the Lord and doing what he has you to do and fulfilling his program for your particular life. God's not concerned about you being like somebody else. He's not concerned about me ministering God's word like the guy down the street. He just wants me to be me. He wants to use me as I am. And he wants me to develop and grow. You see? But he wants to use me just as I am. He needs me. He needs you. He needs all of us working together, cooperating together. But he wants us to be ourselves unto him. Don't be somebody else, but be yourself unto the Lord. Listen to these scriptures. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Chapter 5. And let's read verse 15. First thing he wants you to do is not live for yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. He wants you to be yourself, but he does not want you to live unto yourself. He wants you to be yourself unto him, but he does not want you to live unto yourself. And he goes on to say, but unto him which died for them and rose again. He wants you to be yourself unto him, and he wants you to live for him, not for yourself. Go on back to Romans chapter 14 real quick. Verse 7, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And here's another witness, another scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, chapter 14, verse 7, for none of us liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. I belong to the Lord. You belong to the Lord. When I live my life, how I live my life, it's between the Lord and myself. I'm not trying to be you and you shouldn't try to be me. You shouldn't try to copy what I do. I shouldn't try to copy what you do. You shouldn't try to minister the word like I do and I shouldn't try to minister the word like you do. Just be yourself and you'll be very effective in ministry. You'll be a very effective Christian if you'll be yourself under the Lord. Now, in this scripture here, Actually, if we'll put this in context, he's saying a lot in this chapter, much that needs to be said concerning our own individual walk with him. Let's begin reading in verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Stop right there for a moment. For one believeth that he may eat what? And the other who is what? Who is what? Believeth that he eats herbs. One fella figures he can eat all things. The other fella says, no, we can't eat all things. He says the other fella is weak in faith. But the other fella is strong in faith. Let's go on. Let not him 
that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Stop there. It doesn't matter what a man's convictions are. And I don't feel that we should put our convictions over off on you. Or off on somebody else. If a man doesn't want to eat something, and he feels that it's wrong to eat it, that's between him and the Lord. The Lord hath received him. But if another individual eateth all things, that's between him and the Lord. The Lord has received both of them. Let's go on. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? Peter is a servant of the Lord. John is a servant of the Lord. Peter was trying to judge John. What's John going to do? And Jesus very quickly rebukes him and says, What is that to do what John does? It doesn't matter to you and shouldn't matter to you what John does or what John doesn't do. What matters is what's Peter going to do? Amen. What's Peter going to do? That's what you should be concerned about. What's Peter going to do? Not what's John going to do. And that's why he's saying here, you're both my servants. They're both my servants. They're both working for me. They're both living for me. Now, look, look, let's go on here and read this. To his own master, he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. He stands before his master. It's to his own master he either stands or falls. It's to his own master he's either going to stand or fall. And he goes on to say here that God is able to hold him up. God is strong enough and able to uphold him, regardless of which way he's going or believes. God is able to uphold him. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day to the Lord, that he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no man dies to himself. If you live, you live under the Lord. If you die, you die in the Lord. Do you know there's a lot of people that put burdens and convictions upon their own lives and restrictions upon their own lives and try to burden you down with them and put them over on you to try to make you think that you're not walking right with the Lord? And just to put you in, into a type of bondage that you can't do this and you can't do that and that's not what God's plan is for your life? See, He wants us to be ourselves unto Him. He wants us to live before Him being ourselves, who we are. And doing what he has asked us to do for him. Now, let's look at another scripture. Keep your bookmarker over there in chapter 14 because we're going to get back to it. Let's look at another scripture in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. He wants us to live for him, not to live for ourselves. Now, notice that... In all these things, you're going to hear yourself, ourselves, himself. A man liveth himself before the Lord. We should live not for ourselves, but for the Lord. Now, he goes on over here in this verse 5. Examine yourselves. Examine who? 
examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own self. Know ye not that your, your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates, or except you have a mind void of judgment. Prove your own self. Examine your own self. In other words, Peter, don't examine John, but examine your own self. Examine your life and see if you're doing what I told you to do. Don't examine John. Examine yourself. You see, there are certain things I have for you to do. There are certain things I have for John to do. I think it's time that we in the body of Christ do a self-examination and evaluation. We examine our own lives. Am I doing what the will of the Lord is for me? Am I following what God has for me? Am I using the talents and the abilities that He has given me to glorify Him? Am I doing what the will of the Lord is for me? See, Paul was a man who had a revelation from God and was told by Ananias through Jesus that you're going to suffer some great things for my name's sake. And there are certain things I have for you to do, Paul. But see, you're not Paul. I'm not Paul. I'm not Peter. You're not Peter. You're not John. Aren't you glad that he reveals to us the things he has for us to do? He told him exactly what he had for him to do. He even sh shared with him how he was going to suffer some things in doing it, but still he had to do what he had to do. And Paul accepted what the will of God was for his life and did exactly what he had to do. And he could say at the end of his course, I have finished my course, I have fought the good fight, I'm ready to go be with the Lord. I've done what the Lord asked me to do. See? And while he was doing it, you know, he was being himself. Paul was just being himself. He was affecting the lives of people that were around him by being himself and doing what the Lord had asked him to do. Sometimes I think people think that God wants them to be somebody else. One individual who was in the ministry said, uh, I began to study some other ministers' lives and I began to find some things out. Like this one fellow said, he gets up 4.30 every morning and he begins to pray. And he does his prayer time early in the morning like that. I didn't know anything else much about his life, but I knew that he got up 4.30 in the morning to pray. So I'm going to get up 4.30 in the morning and I'm going to pray and be a success just like he is. So he gets up in the morning at 4.30 and he kneels down before the chair that he has. He says, the next thing I knew, I looked at my, my watch. It was 8 o'clock in the morning and my face was flat down on the Bible. So he kept trying it every morning. He'd get up and he'd get on his knees and every time he'd find himself with his face down on the Bible, falling asleep. He'd get up at 4.30 and pass out on the Bible. What good was that? It wasn't doing him any good. Well, then finally, after trying to do what everybody else was doing, he decided that he was just going to be himself. See, he was in the youth ministry. He was up with the youth sometimes till midnight. And, of course, at midnight, just to get up four and a half hours later to get up to start praying, he kept passing out and falling back asleep. Then he found out that this other minister went to bed at 9 o'clock in the morning. I mean, 9 o'clock in the evening. And that's why he can get up 4.30 in the morning and not fall asleep when he, was, when he was trying to pray. But you see, he tried to copy his life. He tried to copy that person's life. He tried to copy other people's life. And he was forgetting the fact that he was an individual. He was a person. And all he had to do was ask the Father, what do you want me to do in my life? What time do you want me to get up and pray? How do you want me to organize my time for you? 
See, he's an individual. People have a tendency to do that. They try to, they think they're going to be successful because they copy somebody else. And if I could just copy what they do, then bless God, I'm going to be all right. But that's not what God wants. God can use you like you are. And he wants to use you just like you are and where you're at, not trying to make you be somebody else. One woman, and we discussed this in faith classes. Sister shared this with us. One woman, she was effective in reaching people for Jesus because she was doing what she could do. And that was bake apple pies. Boy, some of these preachers get on you for saying apple pie. But I'll tell you what. This woman used to bake apple pies and she would just go to the neighborhood and just take a pie to the, to the, to the families in the neighborhood. Anybody ever here went soul winning? Knock on doors? You go there with a Bible and a track, they shut the door in your face. You go there with an apple pie, their tongues hang out. <laughs> they get out the coffee and they say, come on in. <laughs> you think about it. I've never saw anybody turn away an apple pie. I mean, you know, have you? You think about it. But this woman, she made some good apple pie. Now, God had something for her to do. And that was to affect the lives of the people where she was in her neighborhood. How was she going to do that? Be ultra spiritual. I mean, super duper spiritual. Get up 4.30 in the morning and fall asleep until 8 on a chair. But no, God used what this woman had. Her talents, her abilities. See, God wants you. He's given you talents. You've got certain talents and abilities. And all he wants you to do is use them for his glory. And when this woman found that out and started doing that, she would take those pies from door to door, one at a time, one day, another day or whatever. And she'd go in there and she'd give the pie. And sooner or later, soon enough, she'd start to witness to them about Jesus and over that apple pie, win them to the Lord. They'd get saved. That's a ministry. I'll tell you what. If God told me to come instead of staying there in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and come over here to Midland, Pennsylvania, and make apple pies, there wouldn't be anybody in this church. There wouldn't be a one of you to stick around in this church. No way. I can't affect you with apple pie. But you see, I couldn't do that. I, I couldn't do what this woman can do. But she can do something. What can you do? Can you sew? Oh, you'd be surprised the people you can win to the Lord by sowing. See, people think they've got to be ultra-spiritual. They're going to go over to the neighbor with the Bible in their hand. They're going to start, you know, doing... Listen. Paul said, under the Jew, I became a Jew. Under the Gen Whatever he went, he said, I became all things, all men. And whatever, the, that's what I did. When you're, a, when you're a housewife, go to the housewife like a housewife. Well, you could be, you could effectively reach somebody, especially if you have children. You know how you're going to reach them with your children when you learn this message of faith? Like we've been doing with our children. We just, we just start, you go to them as a family. I don't go to someone as a minister. I go to someone as, as a, as a person, as a father, as a husband. I go to where they're at. See? And I tell them. They're complaining about the doctor bill. They're complaining about all the problems and the sicknesses and the diseases that's, that's happening and all the flus that their kids are getting, all these things that they're, that's happening in lives. And you know, you can just right there, that's an open door. Yeah, I used to complain about all that too. But praise God, we found a way that we don't have to pay doctor bills anymore. You did. Said, yeah, ours comes free. Where do you go? Jesus Clinic. <laughs> Amen. He's become our healer. We've learned about his healing power. What? Sure, hadn't paid a doctor bill since. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? 
Just go as an individual. Just, just if you're a father, talk about your kids. If you're a mother, talk about whatever. Your, your kids in your housework and that sort of thing. And just being an individual where you're at, you can be supported in ministry. Oh, I guarantee you. Be who you are. One, one elderly lady. She says, she just got saved in her, you know, older years of, of life. And she said, what can I do for you? Is there something I can do for you? I mean, I'm older now. I don't get around as much as I used to. But is there something I can do for you, Lord? I'm no, you know, I, I can't make great speeches. I can't do this. I can't. But what can I do? She says, I was opening my Bible. I was reading in my Bible. And as I was reading along there in my Bible, I found out where it says, and they shall lay their hands upon the sick and they shall recover. She said, well, Lord, I've got hands. Isn't that wonderful? Well, Lord, I've got hands. Pair of hands. What am I going to do with these hands? Lay them on the sick. I'm just going to take you at your word, Lord. I'm going to do exactly what you said for me to do. I'm going to do that. I'm just going to go out there and just do it. See, just be yourself. Just do something that you can do. So she couldn't do these other things, so she would just go walk around the neighborhood. She'd find out somebody that was sick and dying. And she'd go over to the door and knock on the door. And she'd say, I'd like to just come in and visit with you and talk with you for a little bit. I said, okay. She'd go in there and maybe spend three days just talking to him as a friend. Then opening up the Bible and reading a couple of scriptures or two. After she'd read a couple of scriptures or two, and of course she would always conclude by saying, and they shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. And finally one day, after she left this, was about to leave this one individual's house, she said, uh, well, did you note there that Jesus said that they shall lay their hands upon the sick and they shall recover? She said, yes, I noticed that. Would you mind if I laid my hands on you? No, I, I wish you would. And she just went and laid her hands on and said, be, be healed in Jesus' name. And she'd leave. And the guy would get up perfectly whole. And then anywhere she'd go, she'd go from city to city. If she wanted to visit her family, if she wanted to visit her friends, she'd get on a bus and she'd go over to that city. And when she got there, first thing she said when she walked off out of the bus, off the steps, she'd say, is there anybody sick in the city? She said, what? We're getting ready for you to take a nap and you want to, is anybody sick in the city? I want to go visit them. As far as she was concerned, that was something she can do. And you know what? That's all God expects of you, is to be yourself and do what you can do. And that's exactly what he expected of her. Now, if God asks you to do something, you see, that you can't do or don't have an ability to do, then he will anoint you and equip you to do it. If he doesn't anoint you and equip you, you can't do it. If, if you don't know how to play that guitar, and he asks you to play that guitar right now, he'd have to give you supernatural ability, wouldn't he? Use it. Especially if you broke a string like I did. I'd break more strings. I don't know. Praise God. I just changed them too. Well, he'd have to give you supernatural ability to get up there and play that thing. And I know what I'm talking about when I say this. Because I didn't have any ability to, to, to give a sermon or to, or, to, or to preach or to speak to people. Matter of fact, I, I was just recently asked just to give a, 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 a speech here in town. And I said no. And I didn't want to say no, but I just, I just knew that I can't talk about anything but the Lord. I never could. When I was even, when I first went to college, I'd stand there and they'd say, give a, give us a, a speech for communications, you know, all that stuff. And I'd stand there and I'd, I'd have it written down word for word and my, my hands would be shaking so fast. Like this here and I'd be shaking and, and jittery and I, I couldn't even read it off the paper. And then of course he says, I want you to go and preach. You could just imagine. How in the world are you going to go and preach if you don't have any ability? Well, if God calls you and tells you to do something, then He's going to equip you and give you the ability to do what He's asked you to do. 
To this day, I can't go and make a speech, but I'll tell you what, I could, I could talk God's Word. I could speak God's Word to you. You know I could speak for a while. <laughs> Amen? But I'll tell you what, anything other than that, I just, forget it. I, won't even, I don't want to talk about anything. And I won't even get up to address anybody unless I'm going to talk to them about God's Word. So, you see, if He asks you and tells you to do something, he, He's not just unless He gives you the ability. And so why would I want to go and do something that I don't have the ability to do? And if he didn't tell me to do it, here I, I should be affecting your lives, not down there affecting their lives. And that woman was affecting lives around you know, because of her pies she was making. I'll tell you what I, I shared this this morning. You know what I'd be doing right now if, if he didn't tell me to come over here and preach? I'd have my little old hatchet out. I got a little hatchet. And I'd edge the yard, you know, by the sidewalk in the driveway. And I'd go around and i edge all the things. I like to do that. And I'd probably start at my house and just go right on down the neighborhood. Edge everybody's yard. Now, see, I, I'm not, I'll do that when I have limited time to do that. I'll still do it. But if I wasn't in the ministry and doing what he told me to do, I'd have more time to do that. And I'd just go around the neighborhood just doing that. I mean, edging my yard and everybody else's yard. And then I like to shovel snow, too. I'd get out there in the wintertime and just shovel snow. Clean off the snow, you know, just up and down the street. Just do it. I just enjoy doing it. I would do it. And you just by doing something like that, you can witness for Jesus. It doesn't take much to be a witness for the Lord. People begin to see your lifestyle. They'll, they'll know that you have something. But get out there and do things like that. Now, I guarantee you that, that if I wasn't in the ministry, I'd be doing I'd be just doing that even more and more than, than, than what I could do. I do it limitedly, but I mean, I'd love to do it even more. But you can reach people by being yourself and doing what you like to do. God will use you in what you do and whatever you like to do, wherever you work at, whatever you do. You know, God wants you to be, if you're working for a company, he wants you to be, oh, now I know the world calls it a brown nose. But he wants you to be somebody that will work for that employer just like you would work for Jesus. And just do it unto the Lord and be good in what you do. And just do as much as expected and more. You start being like that, you're going to be a witness. People are going to get to know something so different about you. You're going to have an opportunity to be yourself and win people to the Lord. In other words, he wants you to affect the lives of people that are around you by who you are and what you have, the abilities and the potential that you have. If he calls you to anything that's beyond your ability, he has to equip you with that ability. Amen? Now, that's what he wants us to know today. Now, be yourself. Examine yourself. Am I trying to be somebody else? Am I trying to do what other people do? Am I patterning my life after somebody else's life? Or am I being me? See? I have to be me. I have to minister God's word to you from my heart. I can't be another minister. I've got to be myself. If God's going to use me, I've got to be myself. Of course, I always ask him daily to change me more and more. And you should ask him the same way. Like Jesus, that you may express, you know, the life of Christ and all that you do. But examine yourself. Am I being me? Am I doing what he wants me to do? Am I being myself? Am I affecting the lives of the people that I should? Or am I not? Okay, let's look at another scripture. He also wants you to judge yourself. Uh, let's go back to Romans, that 14th chapter. He doesn't want you not to eat bread because somebody else doesn't eat bread. If that's their conviction, that's their conviction. Don't pattern your life after somebody else. 
Matter of fact, Paul gets pretty touchy about this and he really gives him a, a reprimand here about eating and drinking. Let's go on down here in verse 11. No, no, I'm sorry. Go on back up to verse 9. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Why do you judge your brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to me. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Circle the word account. Every one of us shall give account of who? Of who? To who? Listen to this word, account. It's number 3056 in your strongest concordance. 3056. It's the word logos, L-O-G-O-S. And it says, it means something said. Every one of us shall give account. Something said. An oral or verbal discourse. Every one of us shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an oral, verbal discourse about himself unto God. The word account is the same word that's used in Matthew 12, 36 that says every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account. They shall give an oral, verbal discourse of the idle words that they spoke on the God. On the day of judgment, they shall give an oral discourse. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm going to have to give an oral discourse. Now, I told you I didn't like standing before a bunch of people and, and giving a, any kind of a discourse. But since God has anointed me and called me to preach His Word, I don't mind preaching God's Word because the anointing breaks the yoke and the anointing just does the work. You know, you got to study, but the anointing does the work. But you're, you and my, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an oral. Anybody want to come up here and start preaching with me? Come on up. You're going to give an oral discourse of Himself, of your life under the Lord. And your audience is going to be Jesus, probably the angels, probably the throne of God. I don't know. But you're going to have to give it. And also the idle words that we spoke. We're going to have to give it. And he goes on to say, look at this next verse. And he goes on to say, let us therefore, not therefore, let us not therefore judge one another anymore. Someone likes to shout when they worship. Someone's real reserved. Someone likes to eat this and someone doesn't like to eat that. Someone thinks that they shouldn't do this and someone else thinks that it's alright to do that. He's saying here, don't judge what other people, what they do in their life. Don't judge those things. Don't judge anybody but who? yourself, that you be not judged. 
Now, isn't that a blessing? If you'll judge yourself, you'll not be judged. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, many are weak, many are sick, many die, because you partake of this supper unworthily. But if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged of the Lord and condemned with the world. That word condemn means judge, judge with the world. If I were to judge myself, I wouldn't be judged of the Lord. Now, that's important. Listen. Some people die and they never get their healing because they didn't judge themselves. You may have prayed for them and they didn't get their healing because they didn't judge themselves. God has something for them to do in their life. They were supposed to influence certain individual people in their life. But they never did because they didn't do what God had for them to do. They didn't, they weren't themselves. They were trying to be somebody else, but they wouldn't be themselves and, and flowing what God had for them. I told you how important that is because you're not doing what God has for you to do and you're doing something that He doesn't have for you to do. And do you realize that the people that you were not influencing, can you imagine that a woman that had the ability to bake an apple pie because she didn't do it and take it to the neighbor's house, the neighbor went to hell? Boy, that's just something right there, isn't it? See, you're here, I'm here for a purpose. That's to influence the lives of people around us by being ourselves and using what any ability or potential that you have. Remember, Jesus kept saying about they had five talents, one had two talents, one it is in a napkin, put it on the ground, didn't do anything with it. You've got something. You've got potential. You've got ability. You've got the power of God. Whatever you can do, do it under the Lord with wisdom. And you're going to affect those people's lives around you. I, I'll tell you what, I, I, I dread to think of the judgment. Can you imagine someone there and saying that, boy, they didn't tell me. They didn't influence me. Can you imagine the lives of people? Now, I don't say this to boast. I, sometimes it's hard to say things like this. I don't say this to boast because I'm not anybody. But I, I'm going to tell you something right now. I know that I know that God didn't send me here for nothing. He spoke for a reason. I needed to be here. And you needed to hear what he had to say through me. Many of you have learned a lot of things. And it's not me, but it's, it's God. We're following his program. You wanted to learn. You prayed. That's why he sent somebody. Now, could you imagine if I'd have stayed down there? Or oh, it may have taken another ten years for you to get some things that you got. But aren't you glad it didn't take ten years that you got them? Aren't you glad that you're learning something and you've learned some things about faith and you're learning how to walk the, uh, uh, a closer walk of faith and that sort of thing? Aren't you glad? You know who would have been responsible if he didn't come? Me. I'm not going to put it all on me. I'm going to put it all on Brother Hagin. If Brother Hagin didn't do what he was supposed to do, I'd have never been down at Ramah. As a matter of fact, Jesus said you'd have died two years before Ramah even was opened. And if he didn't do what he did, I couldn't have gone down there to, to learn what I did to come over here to teach you what I learned. Amen? So you see how it snowballs? One life has so much meaning, it could just it could influence the multitudes of people if you'll just be yourself and do what you can do. Examine yourself. Prove your own self and judge your own self. Be yourself. That you don't be judged. You know, when God judges you, you know what happens? 1 Corinthians chapter 5 says that this man that was judged of the Lord... 
He was turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit would be saved in the day of what? In the day of what? Judgment. That man was in danger of losing his spirit because of the act of incest that he was committing. And Paul says, I have judged. That man's not doing the will of God. That man is out of God's program and his heart has become so hardened. What did that say in, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13.5? It says, examine yourselves. Don't you know that Christ is in you lest you have a reprobate mind? A mind void of judgment where you can no longer judge yourself because your spirits become hardened and it's so hardened you cannot judge yourself rightfully? And now that you can't judge yourself, you're incapable of judging yourself out of your spirit. You know what he says? I've got to judge you. And when God judges that individual, it's not because he wants them to die. It's because if he doesn't judge that person and turn that body over to Satan for its destruction, then that spirit will be lost. And your spirit's more precious to him than your body. Your body's going to be changed, but your spirit is eternal. And that spirit he wants with him in glory. And that's why that judgment came on that man. He, he was so hardened and he, his mind was reprobate, born of judgment, that God had a judgment. Because he didn't judge himself. So judge him while he may be found. Or judge yourself while he may be found. And you can judge yourself. If we don't examine ourselves, am I doing what God has for me? Am I doing the will and program of God for my life? See? Always let that be first and foremost in your life. What does God want me to do? And most of the time you're in the will of God. Unless God spoke to you to do something differently, you're in the will of God. I would be, like I said, I'd be probably giving sideburns to, to lawns. You know? If, if, if I wasn't called to the ministry, I'd be working in a mill crane. I'd just doing, just doing my thing, just being a Christian. Affecting the lives of people around me, just doing that, if he didn't tell me to do anything else. Who am I to think that I could do something that he didn't tell me to do? Who am I to think that I could influence the lives of people that he didn't tell me to influence, like in the public ministry? Who am I to think I could? I don't have that ability to do that. He's got to tell me to do that. I have counseled with ministers in this office. And I mean trouble, there's you know, troubles and that sort of thing, but I always go to the one question I ask. Do you know that God has told you to be in the ministry? And it's sad to say that many say, I can't honestly say that. I don't really know that. Well, there's the root of all the problems. You know, I can honestly say that to you. If anything, I could say, I could say that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has told me and placed me here, right here, right now. I know that without question. I am doing what God has said. Not because I was raised up in it, but because He spoke to me. Spoke to my heart. Definite calling. I know it beyond the shadow of a doubt. You're all called to be saints. You may not be called to the five ministry, but you're called to be a saint. That word saint means you're called to be holy, sacred, religious. See? You're called to be that way. I'm called to this office. I have to be in this office. I have to fulfill this office. John had to fulfill his. Peter had to fulfill his. And influence those around them. Now, if, if you're not called that office, you're called to be a saint. You be a saint. You be sacred. You be holy. You be spotless and blameless before him. You love him. You serve him. You give him all your talents and all your abilities. And let him work through your life. 
That's all he asks. That's his will for your life. Be yourself while you're doing it. And you'll grow spiritually. But you see, he's not asking you to be somebody else. Examine yourself. Judge yourself. Now, let's look at back here in, in, in this same chapter, 14, before we get to one more thing. And let's read on. Verse 13. Let us not, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Now, if you don't want to eat certain things, that's between you and God. And if I don't want to eat certain things, that's between me and God. But see, I've got no right to try to influence you in your life to make you or to or not to eat anything or drink anything. Now, let's go on. Let's read. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus. Who is he persuaded by? Paul is persuaded by Jesus. He knows this and is persuaded by Jesus. You think that would influence them? But let's go on. That there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. The kingdom of God is not what you eat. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. See the Spirit. And he said, I am persuaded. And Paul said, let every man be fully persuaded. I am fully persuaded that the kingdom of God is not in meat or drink, but the kingdom of Jesus. That agrees with what Jesus said. Whatever enters into the belly goes out in a draft. But it's that which comes out of the heart of man. See? That defiles the man. And there's where your murder, adultery, fornication, all those things come out of. Drunkenness, drunkenness also comes out of the spirit of man. We should stay away from those things. Okay, let's go on. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherefore one may edify another. For meat destroy not the work of God. God working in you? Then meat does not destroy the work of God in you. I think that's pretty clear and pretty plain. Get so hung up on what you're eating and what you're drinking. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be overboard, but I'm just saying you get so hung up on it you can... You put yourself in such a bondage that you miss out on what God has for you in righteousness, joy, peace, and the Holy Ghost. See, examine yourselves. God expects us to be ourselves, but not to judge one another. Not to put demands on your life, not to put demands on my life. But I'll tell you what, if we would just live in the Spirit, there would never be any of these things. People wouldn't judge one another. People, what, here's, a, here's a good scripture for it. Look at 2 Corinthians. This is the last thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Live not for yourself, but be yourself and live for Him. Examine yourself. Prove yourself. Judge yourself. And here in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these, these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse. Who? See, God has made a means whereby we could live for Him. We have a life to live. All the abilities I have, I just turn over to Him, whatever they are. He doesn't try to make me be somebody else. I examine myself 
Am I doing it? Am I living for Him? I prove myself that I can't... I can make... If if you can make an apple pie, I can make an apple pie. I can witness for Jesus. If you can fix a motor, if you can fix a car, whatever you can do, you can use it to glorify God. There are people in this world that are everyday people. Didn't you know that? And they need help in everyday living. They don't want a phony. They want somebody who's down to earth. Reality. And so you see, you can go out there and just be be yourself under them and just... You you breathe the same way they do. You eat the same way they, they do. You sleep the same way they do. Everything. Just be yourself. You know, without the Word, you could actually, just by your lifestyle, it would speak louder than the words that you speak, and you could win a lot of people to Christ that way, just by being yourself. But here he gives us a blessed scripture. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh, flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Cleansing yourself. And what he's saying to us here is this. We have the ability and the power to judge ourselves to examine ourselves, to even cleanse ourselves if we're not doing the will of God concerning our lives. And since He's given me that power to cleanse myself, and of course it's through the blood of Jesus, then it's up to me to see to it that I am judging myself and appropriating the blood of Christ to cleanse myself. Because if I don't do it, If I don't use my talents and abilities for Him, and if I don't use all this power that I have, this access that I have to His grace and His mercy, if I don't do it, no one's going to do it. He's going to have to judge me. No one's going to do it for me. He'll have to judge me. And beloved, if He has to judge us, and of course His mercy endures forever, He may wait until you're 70 years old, 60 years old, but judgment's going to fall. Judgment must begin where? At the house of God. Then we're judged. And when we're judged of the Lord, it's so that we're not condemned with the world. Now, I don't know what that's saying to you, but I know what it's saying to me. If it gets to a place that an individual has to be judged of the Lord, it means he was in danger of being condemned with the world. Now, I don't know what you feel about that, but the world's not going to heaven. Did you know that? I said, did you hear that? How many of you know the world's not going to heaven? So he says, I'll judge you so that you won't be condemned with the world. Judged with the world. I want to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And have him say to me, well done, thou faithful servant. Now here is the last scripture. Let's go to 32nd Psalm. 32nd Psalm. And I know there's deliverance right here. There's deliverance. There's victory here. You have potential. You have ability. There's things that maybe His hand is upon you that He wants you to do. But you say, I haven't done it. Well, listen. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. And in whose spirit there is no doubt, cleansing yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. God's hand was upon David. David knew with inside himself that he was not doing what the Lord had for him to do. He knew deep within him. See, this is a personal thing between him and God. 
But he didn't do anything about it. Didn't say anything about it. Didn't acknowledge it under the Lord. See, God doesn't have a thousand and one things for us to do, friends. He's got our lives set for us so that all we've got to do is be ourselves unto him. Influence people's lives around us by the abilities that we have. If you're a mother, if you're a housewife, influence people's lives by the abilities and potentials that you have. The identity of a mother and a father is awesome. You've got three identities. You're, you're an individual, you're a, a wife, you're a mother. Those responsibilities are awesome. You don't really need a fourth one. And some, you know, in that capacity, they're trying to look out to be someone that, that's super spiritual by doing other things way out there somewhere, and they're not fulfilling their obligation as being a mother and a housewife. And so consequently, they're trying to be, you know, out into another field that don't belong. They're trying to seek God's will. What's God's will for my life? What, what does God want me to do in my life? Well, actually, what His will is He wants you to raise your kids. He wants you to take care of your husband. He wants you to be a helpmeet. He wants you to support. He wants you to just be an individual that's loving Him with every fiber of your being. And then when your kids graduate, when your kids maybe get off and get married, then He's going to tell you something else He wants you to do. Now, he told me to do something in advance. My children are still small. That's something that I have to do because he told me to do it. But I guarantee you, you don't belong doing anything else unless you got, if you've got a family and you've got kids, unless he told you to do it because there's enough in raising a family to serve him in itself. And raising and rearing those children up in the nurture and admission of the Lord, that's what he wants us to do. That's what his will is. See, but people are seeking, what's God's will for me? What's God's will for me? There it is right there. When your kids get older, he'll have another thing for you to do. Unless he spoke to your heart, and if he spoke to your heart, he'll give you the ability to do both. You see what I'm saying? Okay, now let's look at this. David held these things within. Day and night, but then I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Think about it. Selah. For this shall everyone that is godly pray. Everyone that's godly will examine himself. Everyone that is godly will judge himself. Everyone that is godly will prove himself. Everyone that is godly will cleanse himself. And that's what he's saying. Everyone that's godly will do this. Let's go on. We'll pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. When thou mayest be found. Not when judgment has fallen, but when he may be found. You'll examine yourself, you'll judge yourself, you'll prove yourself while he may be found. Because there'll come a day where if we don't do the will of God in our lives, that you're not going to be able to find what you want. Because it'll be too late. Judgment will come. God will have to judge you. But here he's saying that if you'll call when he may be found, look what happened. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Think about it. Meditate on it. See, we weren't just singing under the Lord. He said to the individual that does these things, He will actually compass you about and compass you with songs of deliverance. He'll sing your deliverance around you. He'll have a choir of angels around you. There are things that happen in your everyday life that you don't realize that, that God is doing for you each and every day. Protecting you. Delivering you. 
The Bible says that the angel of the Lord camps around about you to deliver you from evil, to protect you while you're doing what he has for you to do. There have been times when you said, boy, that was a close call. You almost got in that wreck or that accident. Something happened. And there was angels singing around you because you was being a mother and a housewife and faithfully supporting the ministry and doing the work of the Lord, making your apple pies and whatever it is that, that you can do with your talents and abilities. It's not because you were up 4.30 in the morning. Thank God if you were. It's not because you didn't eat bread. Thank God if you didn't, if you didn't want it. That's, that's fine with you. But this isn't what this lifestyle is. This lifestyle is me judging myself. Am I doing what God has for me? Am I where God wants me to be? Am I supporting the ministry as I should? Like I said, I should be with my hatchet out there right now. So I says, what if God didn't tell you to go to bed and I'd be in Tulsa right now, still, shoveling 20,000 pounds of rock every day? That's what I was doing before I came. That's what I'd be doing right now. God tells you what to do in your life. And you just obey Him. And if He doesn't tell you to do anything, then you're doing it. Can you say amen to that? And while you're doing it, He compasses you about with songs of deliverance. Hallelujah. See, that's why He wasn't speaking to you, friends, was because you're doing what He wants you to do. Isn't that good to know? You're doing what He wants you to do. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.